Hello again, my friends, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. You can follow Disciple of City on Facebook and Instagram, and of course, the Toddcast underscore DAC on the gram. Friends, we completely rely on the Lord and the generosity of many to put everything together. If this podcast has encouraged you, would you prayerfully consider supporting us? You can do so on our website at discipleacity.ca, click donations, and put the Toddcast in the message box. My guest today is from Peterborough, Ontario. He's a man that wears many hats. He's a business owner, a new dad, he's a singer-songwriter, and in 2016, he and his bride formed the band Paper Shakers. He's also one of the main writers for Disciple of City Music. Please welcome Michael Hall. (laughs) Hey! If, if you didn't have that sound effect, I would have done it. You, oh well, you were already doing it at the beginning. Oh, hey? That's hilarious. Just when I said, oh, I don't need to mute your mic. You're a musician. You know how it goes. Yeah, and you're having a great time. Clapping out a cue. <laughs> <laughs> little excited, eh? Always. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I'll, I'll start with this. I'll tell you that this yeah. is a Toddcast first. Yeah. So because of my love for music, I try to like get some musical guests. So we've had James Mead, bunch of different people. Yep. Um, the latest recording I did was with Matt Page, the yep. OG drummer of Hawk Nelson. Yeah. At I think ten or ten thirty at night. Wow. But this is the earliest recording of the Toddcast. Really? At eight a.m. Are you okay? Well, it's so not rock and roll, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> With Matt, that was, oh yeah, 10 o'clock. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, he just got up at like six, had supper. Yeah, right? yeah that was breakfast for him. That was a... So yeah, early morning, but it's all good, eh? We're both yeah. up. We know why. We're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Man of many hats. New dad. Yeah. Ish. Yep. Yeah. She's uh, six weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Very new. Um, second, second though. Yeah. My so not second. that new of a dad. Yeah. So now both arms are full yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Just lots and lots of energy with the two year old. Yeah. So that makes having a, a six week old very interesting. Yeah. So and yeah. adorable as bro. Definitely. Yeah. 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 They're, they're amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Lots of stuff, lots of stuff to get into. Um, but like we do, man, let's, uh, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Give us a little clip of, of growing up for you in the church, out of the church. What was that like? Uh, yeah, I grew up in the, in a small Baptist church on uh, Marina and Hilliard and we went there, um, until I was maybe about 10 parents split up at that point from 10 to 14, 10 to 15 ish. It was free for all. Um, do whatever you want. No rules. Obviously got into. That's how it was or that's how you perceived it to be. Excellent question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's yeah. And well, th- this is the thing with a broken home in the one home, it was free for all and the other home. It was extremely strict. So when you're not in the strict home, yeah, you, yeah, just, absolutely wild crazy so i i would say that those were my years that 
I was just probably the most tormented, really. <laughs> actually, I, I thought I was having a lot of fun, but it was pretty messed up. But I had actually, I had given my heart to the Lord at the age of seven. I meant it. So that, that whole time through that transition, I knew he was with me. I could still hear him. I was still talking to God, but I was really just mad and uh, sure. not, not happy with the way that the family went, but um wasn't really in the space to process it. So then at 14, I was invited to come back and go to a retreat with a friend. And uh, I really looked up to his brummer, his brother, cause he was a great drummer. And at that point I was playing drums. And, uh, so I was like, cool. If your brother's going, like, I, I want to see him play drums and this worship band thing and whatever. And, and, uh, I just had like a wild touch at that retreat and basically rededicated myself and was baptized later that year. And it's been like that ever since just going uphill. So we were talking, um, just before the show about bands, similar bands that we liked and grew yeah. up with, right? Yeah. Slipknot and Corn and yeah. System of a Down yeah. and all that. So <clears throat> did you, um, so I have similar background to me. My parents split when I was super young too. Yeah. Um, I don't know what was the initial draw to rock music for me, um, but I found it really, really cool. I, yeah. it's been so long now. I, you know, you, as a kid, you have those same things. You're angry at the situation. Why did this happen? Cause it's out of your control. You're just in it. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a, I kind of feel like it was sort of a, yeah. Unknowing channel for anger. Did you feel like you were drawn to it for that or, oh, or did yeah. you have musical yeah. influences in your life or? Yeah. Like I, so music growing up in the family, like my, my parents loved we we didn't really grow up with much, so we just we loved going on a long car ride. Everyone in the car would just sing, and everything was peaceful and everything was calm and nobody was fighting. So, for me growing up, like that's what music was. It was safe. Um, it was a place where nobody was fighting and nobody was arguing or whatever. So then, when they did split up, I I went straight to music. I went straight to just cranking whatever. CD I had at the time. I think my first CD that I bought was a Green Day CD. And uh, I just remember like it had the right energy, right? It has that. And as I got more and more frustrated, I remember almost daily after school, like I would take my mattress and put it up against the wall, crank music, and I'd just be like punching the mattress, almost like I'm boxing, right? Mm. And I would just anything to get out that energy of frustration and whatever. And yeah, I think music was definitely like a, just like a, an outlet, just something I could do to get that energy out. I was writing songs, really, pretty much from the time I was ten. Wow! Like basically, once once they split up, I it started as stories. I didn't like the story thing. I was, I thought that was stupid. It takes way too much time. Um, songs you can write in three minutes. So it's that was always something. That I was just like, this is easy, it's quick, I can get out my thought, and I can move on. Wow, that's a gift. Yeah. Speaking of Green Day, ever see them live? No, I want to. So, dude, I never liked them Yeah. until I saw them live at a festival. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're phenomenal. Yeah. Good. Um, so, also, we were talking about what transitioned you, well, not what transitioned you, obviously you had, yeah. and we'll, let, let's talk about that encounter a little bit more at the camp with your friend. Yeah. Actually, let's talk about that first before we get into the musical sure. piece. Sure. 
So like, can you just yeah. explain that a little bit? Like what happened? What, what, what did you experience at that camp when you already, yeah. when you already know that he's real and you, even though you were angry, you still felt God and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, you know, going through my season of, I was a pack a day smoker at 13 or 14. Um, I was parties. I was out late. I was breaking out of the house. I was just doing whatever I wanted when I was at home base. Um, and I'd see my dad on the weekend. So, and every other night or whatever it was. Anyways. Um, so yeah, I, I just remember, you know, God was always with me and it didn't matter what state I was in. I, I recognized that he was there with me. So that was always a comfort, but I haven't, I hadn't been touched by him or heard or had like a real encounter with him since I was seven. And I'll share seven first, because this is what makes the age of 14 much more significant. So at the age of seven, I'm out in the back field at my grandparents' place. Um, there's nothing around for like a hundred kilometers and, um, I'm sitting on the tractor and I just start hearing like singing while I'm on the tractor and, and I had just given my heart to the Lord. So I'm hearing the singing on this tractor. I'm like, what is going on? And it goes from like one voice to like two and three and four. And it's this beautiful, angelic masterpiece, absolutely beautiful. And it just grew from this soft, sweet voice to like, it sounded like millions of people just singing this thing. I'm all the way in the backfield, seven years of age hop off the tractor and I'm running to the house like three, four fields over. And, uh, I finally get there and I go, they're singing. There's beautiful singing. I can hear the singing. And the grandparents, like they're both pastors and, and they just were like, that's, that's angels. That's heaven. That's you just were given a gift. And I was just like, wow, that's really cool. I never thought of anything of it. I was just like, that was beautiful. That was a touch. I'm so happy I gave my heart to the Lord because now I'm experiencing this beautiful sound. Wow. This wonderful thing. And then, uh, yeah, we had a couple of years of in and out of Selwyn church and in and out of the old Baptist church that we were just, it was feeling a little dusty. <laughs> and, uh, then the parents split up. Then at 14, I go to this retreat. Everyone's just bawling. So I start bawling and I'm just like getting hit with whatever whether it's guilt or shame or and what do you what is it a, a service a, a worship night or it's just like a it was the classic like you know friday night they've got their upbeat music and then some prayer and then saturday night they had their big heavy all right if you want to give your heart to the lord like that just classic stuff and uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you know right well i <laughs> yeah. only do but i don't as a kid yeah like, i never yeah. experienced that yeah. Teenage camp lay the heavy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I kind of knew it was coming cause I, yeah, I just, I was aware of that and I just wanted to be open. So I was just like, Lord, like whatever. And, and just like at the age of seven, I went up to the front of the church on my own and asked for the Lord to come in my heart. My parents didn't go with me. I just, I knew I wanted that. And at the age of 14 at this retreat, same thing, go up to the front ignore my friends if they're laughing at me or doing what I did not care. I was like, I need God. And I go up to the front 
and it just felt like a sweet release. Um, is very just nice. It just felt right. It just felt like I was back at home and I went home that night and, uh, I just sat on the edge of my bed and that's when like the real moment happened. I just kind of sat there. I was just like, Lord, I know you're real. It's been so long. Can you just touch me? And it literally felt like a hand went on my back and it went from the bottom of my back to the top. Like it was a big hand. And now that I have two little girls, I realize wow, that's exactly how it is when a father is holding a child. Man, it was like, yeah, really special moment. And from then on, it was just like, I got to I gotta be with my father. I got to just pursue this. I got to keep him near. And uh, yeah, at that point, just listening to a lot of the wrong music and, and doing a lot of the wrong stuff and, and just cut it all cold Turkey. It was just like, it was so easy for me to say like, no, I'm done with that and quit smoking, quit drinking, quit partying, quit all that stuff, quit stealing. Um, just all that stuff. It was easy. It's, it's, um, I was, as you were telling that, Mm -hmm. right. I was going to ask you, knowing that that's how sort of the typical routine of the camp goes and the yeah. Saturday night and lay the heavy. I was going to ask you, how did you looking back, how do you differentiate mm. that from a real tangible touch to sort of getting caught up in a, in a moment where, where yeah. that can be created. But obviously yeah, that's an encounter alone yeah. in your room. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. It, yeah. Like at the event, it was beautiful. They set, it's almost like they, they set the table. Right. And, and it was beautiful. And I was, I was touched by that, that they would spend that much effort and time and create this atmosphere where, where kids can be free to encounter God. And I'm looking around and seeing everyone crying and, and I just understood the situation. And I think that's what was creating the, the emotional awareness for me. But yeah, it wasn't until I went home and said like, Lord, it's just you and me. Like, yeah. Be real. <laughs> I like that. Set the table. Yeah. I, I hear a lot of people say that or skepticism or the enemy likes to put doubt in us. Right. So a lot of people, when people have an encounter at an event or a kid's camp or whatever, it's like, oh, they've created the music and the mood and the lights and stuff. And it's a sort of a created thing. Right. And, but, but that's a great way to actually explain it, that it's they're not creating anything. They're just setting a table. You got to go up to the table and choose to sit there and yeah, and dine and receive whatever, right? So that's a really that's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah, and that can happen at a youth event, uh, a mega church, or at a coffee shop. It it doesn't matter. It's just if bro, it can happen in the front seat of a <laughs> 2004 Chevy Silverado because that's where it happened hey, for me. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so now let's talk about the music because uh this is really actually interesting dude our yeah. we we have uh there's a lot of similarities yeah. in our stories and stuff so you had this massive encounter you've actually felt the hand of the father on you and it yeah. changed what if you're writing music at 10 and already playing drums yeah. very musical it changed something musically so talk about that what that change was and what you discovered yeah so music being um my safe space music being my almost like my new family because my 
uh, natural family had become broken. Music was a very special place for me at that time, listening to Slipknot, Korn, System of a Down, Mudvayne, Metallica, all these like just heavy hitting, angry, like do not look up their lyrics. Whoever's listening right now, do not look up the lyrics. Do not pay attention to it. But I, th- those were, that was my safe space. So to give that up, knowing that it was wrong, um, knowing that it wasn't helping me at all, um, that was going to be very difficult. So I needed to find something that was healthy, need to find something that was morally aligned with, with my new way of life, this new path I'm walking on. I need something that just lined up and actually like supported what I now had in my heart. And uh, it wasn't until I heard Phenomenon by TFK that I was able to take my Slipknot CD uh, I forget which one it had had a goat on the front of a silver, really beautiful looking album. And I remember like snapping it in half, putting it in the garbage. Mm. I took phenomenon and I put that up in the record player and <laughs> the CD player. And, and that's what I played every day after school. And it was functional as it, it was proper. It just felt like, Oh man, like the lyrics were just phenomenal he sounded like Jonathan Davis. He, he he just had like this beautiful rap rock thing, and and yeah, just blessed to have Trev in our life. Um, and then I found out that he was also a big part in Hawk Nelson and just those guys. And so obviously that was the next album, and then Skillet, and then Family Force Five. <laughs> like those guys are just awesome. So yeah, I finally found replacements for the garbage I was listening to basically. So that's, that's really interesting. So, uh, similar thing to me when I, when I came to face liking a lot of those same bands and also disturbed and Godsmack and all that. Yeah. And, and I just found that like I was attracted to the heavy guitar more so than lyrics, like lyrics too, but yeah. Um, and I just found that, God took my anger. So I didn't really resonate with that ang- anger anymore, yeah. but I still like the guitar and I still like that music. Yeah. And for me, it was listening to serious radio and not this. I'm not familiar with this record phenomenon, so I should probably check that out. Check it out, man. But, um, inhale and exhale. Yeah. Right. So just hearing that band TFK on serious radio. Yeah totally being oblivious to, I mean, it's serious radio. It's American satellite, right? Yeah. So I don't know where, who these guys are, where they're from, but that music also, it was just so, um, like it was my music. It was the music that I liked, but it had like, yeah, you know, it had that, uh, good rock edge to it, but also like, I don't know, just a different piece. Didn't have that, you know? And I just, yeah. uh, it was really good. I just really enjoyed it, you know? Yeah. It, it almost like it takes that, you know, with the, with the other band, you have an anger and a frustration you're trying and it matches that energy. Right. And then when you get transformed and you're listening to something that's going like, man, we could do it. Light up the sky. Like let's, let's, yeah. let's go, let's go fam. And then, you know, you get into stuff like fly on the wall and like all these other beautiful songs that, uh, Trev put out. It, it's, it, matches that new energy level where you're like, I'm not angry anymore. Um, but I still love that sound. 
Yeah. So then you get to transfer all these. Yeah. It's just like the weight is different and it's, it's just more. Yeah. I think change, uh, it's not going away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything's about to change. That's what yeah. the, it's like. Oh my gosh, this is, this is how I'm feeling. You know what else was huge for me was POD. Okay, cool. And the song alive, you know, that song, you familiar with that song? I'm sure if I heard it, I'm, yeah, <clears throat> not huge on POD. So I always liked POD, saw them live with Lincoln Park. I thought alive was about a girl. Okay, cool. And when I came to faith and heard the song again, it was about this boldness of faith yeah. and feeling alive because Christ, the hope of glory is in you. Yeah. And it's like that song was rebirthed to me Wow! after coming to faith. This is a lot of uh, great stuff. And then, yeah. you know, then people in my life are like, oh, you, you like the heavy stuff. Check out this Devil Wears Prada and all, like all this other <laughs> <laughs> different things, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, so that's awesome. So, okay. Um, so what happened after? How did you, you were writing songs at 10. So after you would come to faith, talk about, uh, let, let's talk about how, how that went with you, your creativity and music and how your new faith influenced that or, or where that went in the formation of the, of paper shakers <laughs> <laughs> or that's probably too much, but yeah. Yeah. There's like, yeah. 15 years between that, right. Or 10 years between that. So it's, um, yeah. Writing for me was always just, uh, an outlet There's some, somewhere where I could create a reality that I enjoyed. And so I could always write down, you know, and when I wasn't walking with the Lord properly, I was just writing garbage and it was a lot of anger and a lot of swearing and a lot of just whatever. Obviously none of that ever <laughs> had fruit come of it. Obviously it was just garbage. Um, but once I was uh, just rededicated myself, felt, felt that touch, um, for the next four years, I was actually under like crazy attack, which that's like right during high school too. Hmm. So it was, it was getting to the point to where I was, I was writing out lyrics of just like, Lord, I love you. Please be with me. Like all it was like desperation. And I had like a binder like that of just like, I would write four or five songs a night and just keep writing. And most of it was just garbage. Some of it actually had like, chords and and a bridge and you know all these different parts to it um but mainly it was just like desperation to god and and i'd open the bible and just like why were you feeling desperation if you had that intense encounter where you felt his hand and you knew yeah i i honestly just think that i was attacked huge i think um i think the enemy knew that i love God so much and just wanted to be with him that I was literally attacked for four years straight for four years straight. I would call on the name of Jesus every single night. It was mainly at night. I'd just be like the name of Jesus, like leave me alone. There'd just be, you know, just stuff in the house that just wasn't right. And, and I would just call out to Jesus and, and nothing would really happen. And I wouldn't be able to sleep. I'd, develop some insomnia through that and just like it was a horrible four years but like, i remember literally falling asleep with like the word on my chest like almost, what, almost every night 
would you share like what what were you what was an example of something you were experiencing like when you say attack if yeah just there was just some spiritual stuff in that house um that was keeping me awake um and it progressively got worse it started with hearing sounds to you know i'd see someone walk into a room but they weren't part of our family and i go what the heck was that wow and then we had heard from a friend of a friend, oh, yeah, an old lady died in that house, and it, it's actually haunted, and just stuff like that, like spiritual messed up stuff. And for four years, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, so for four years, I sat with, you know, tried to sleep with the Bible on my chest. I'd always have it open. That way I could pull out a scripture quick because I didn't know scripture, right? Did you did you talk to your, who were you living with, your mom or your dad? Uh, that's my mom's place. Did you? talk to your mom about it or your grandparents that were pastors did you share it or no yeah like the the grandparents that are pastors they they weren't uh blood grandparents so they they kind of went off to plant another church and then they they just kind of like exited our lives um we still see them every now and again but yeah they just kind of went out my mother wasn't walking with the lord at the time so just every, everything in that house was just um it got really complicated really messy i had an older sibling that was into witchcraft i had oh. other people coming in to live in our house that just weren't family and and um yeah it, it got pretty messed up pretty quick um so i remember you know seeing things in the middle of the night and going in the name of jesus get out and it would still just be standing there wow and i go wait lord like you said like <laughs> all i have to do is call your name and then this thing would happen and I realized all these years later that it it wasn't that Jesus didn't have power. It was that he was trying to build me, that I was actually being given that power. I was being given the authority over that thing. Yeah. So at the end of the four years, this is the cool part of the story. I don't want to give any credit to, to the devil for this, but um, at the end of the four years, I, I remember I... Um, yeah, I, I was laying in bed, trying to sleep, had insomnia, trying to sleep, and uh, I rolled over, and there was right there, like just an ugly, ugly thing right in my face, about three inches away, and I remember, like, at this point, I was just fed up, so I just went, oh, it's you, and I rolled over didn't say in the name of Jesus, get out and, you know, holy water and all that. I just went, oh, it's you. I rolled over and went to sleep. Come on. I slept through the whole night. <laughs> Never saw that thing again. Amen. Like, what do you got, man? What do you, <laughs> you got nothing on me. It's yeah. like at that point, my, my faith was so built. That I was just like, if I see this thing every night for the rest of my life, I don't care. It's, it's nothing. It's not doing anything. Oh, you're trying to make me stumble and hinder? My God's bigger. Yeah. Get, get out of here. <laughs> so it, it was a very difficult four years. There was a lot of mental stuff that happened through those four years. Um, but then the, at the end of it, I was just like, man, this is beautiful. Um, from there, I went to I went to Bethel. Um, I, I didn't want to. I didn't even know what Bethel was. Everyone just told me I should go. They're like, oh, you're a musician. You love Jesus. You should be at Bethel. I'm like, what the heck even is that? So anyways, I wound up going down. I had this beautiful experience. I I saw angels. 
at different points. I, I heard angels at different points. I just had a beautiful worship experience. I didn't know any of their songs, but I showed up and just worshiped my heart out. I just sang my own stuff over their music. <laughs> did you go down as a student or did you go just yeah. to check it out? Yeah. At that point they had their one year program. They did it in a month or a month and a half and just during the summer. So I went down and I did the, the five, six weeks, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, it's like eight hour days and then you go home and just worship on the floor with all your friends. And then <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Really cool experience and definitely opened the eyes to like what, what living a life of, you know, this is my first time where I'm not under one of my parents' houses. I'm on my own down in the States with a whole bunch of other believers. And it feels like, you know, Disciple of City music are after parties or <laughs> it's just like, we're all just rolling on the floor and just like getting rocked. So it, it was like that for basically the, the six weeks that I was there. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Really cool. That's awesome. So you come, you come home from that experience and then, and then what happened? Uh, yeah, I came home, uh, got asked to play this youth retreat out West, flew out, played it. Um, the youth that were at the retreat, I just fell in love with these guys and I felt like the Lord was saying like, you need to be in their lives and build them up. So I flew out West, no job, no nothing. I was sleeping on the couch of Nathan Kirshner's dad's house. Uh, sleeping on the couch just so that I can be in these kids' lives and help. I didn't, I didn't know like what it meant. I was just like, I know I need to be there to help these kids. Um, so I flew out there, worked. I wound up getting a job, worked out there for three and a half years, met my wife there. We came back to Peterborough in 2015, got married after a month of engagement. <laughs> and So uh, how long did you stay there? I was there three and a half years, maybe four years. So yeah, Bethel was, I was, I was 21 and then I basically went straight out West cause I got on with that retreat. And so you uh, got invited to a, to do a retreat and you never came home. I, I did the retreat, came home and then oh. I went, Oh man, I gotta be there. Oh, okay. And I okay. went back. All so, right. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was really quick, like back and forth, back and forth. Um, but yeah. Stayed out there for a bit, helped with the youth program, helped with the young adults program, uh, started leading worship at the church. They had three services on a Sunday, and it was just wild. Because um, I play many different instruments, I was on every service all the time. And sometimes they'd have a Saturday morning service too. So it'd be Saturday and then Saturday night practice for Sunday morning, and then three services Sunday morning, sometimes a Sunday night. Like it was just way way too much but i loved it it was awesome yeah yeah and then uh okay so then we came back got married in the time that we were uh that we flew back home we didn't have jobs at the time so we were just writing music just whitney and i and uh it was kind of like this fun 50s vibe um just like really poppy whatever cute music and uh we had looked up like, Oh, I wonder if we should like name it, whatever. And we looked up, um, just a bunch of cool names and whatever. And paper shaker stood out because it was 50 slang term for like a cheerleader. It's like a paper shaker. Oh yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, everyone online, I'm just doing little cheer moves over here. So just visualize me jumping up and down and 
shaking pom poms. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just fifty slang turn for for a cheerleader, and that's all we really wanted to do. Just like morally proper, fun, upbeat music, and it started as like a fifties um, folk alternative thing, and then we started finding band members, and we start we found a guitar player, and that was that pretty much directed us towards rock music. Yeah. Yeah. Just the style of the guitar player. Yeah. 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 So, but you play guitar. So when you yeah. were writing music was, what was your, or yeah, I like, did you do, did you do rhythm then? And you found this lead guitarist. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So I've, I've always been writing music on my own as well. Right. So I'll, every time I write a song, it, it's rock and roll. It's, it's punk rock. It's rock and roll. It's just like, it's fun. Cause that's what I want to do when I'm by myself. Um, but then with, with Whitney and it was like, okay, if there's just two of us and one guitar, we need to focus on the vocals and make sure that they're really tight and really beautiful. And then the guitar would just support. So that was a rhythm guitar kind of thing. And then we found this lead guitar player who was, he's very much country, but you just put a overdrive on our distortion. And now all of a sudden he's rock and roll so gotta love the overdrive man it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was uh, yeah i believe that was 2016 um that we first connected with mr jack soul our lead guitar player one of my closest friends one of my favorite people in the world um he he could have been the worst guitar player in the world and we still would have had him there because he just had such a good attitude while we were traveling on the road, like just such a fantastic human. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, shall we have a little sample of, Oh, you got one. <laughs> we got one. We got one here. We'll just have a little sample. What about this? I found this. I love the groove, bro. I love the song. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a, such a great... Like my, you know, we talked a lot about Slipknot system and everything, but I also really liked Southern Rock. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if you remember these bands, but Cry of Love, Brother Kane, these just like Leonard Skinnerd, you know? Yeah. And so many things, when you look on the internet, right, it calls you, like, folk, folk rock, indie, this, that, all these labels. I don't know. It's just... Yeah. None of that matters. Yeah. Yeah. But this is good, though, dude. I like this. Yeah. This this was one of my favorite songs that we ever wrote. And we actually, right before we release... So this one's I Ain't Joking, and the other one was Cinnamon. There are two singles that we released at the same time. Right before we did that... So we had recorded them, and then we had decided we're not going rock anymore. We're going to go this pop alternative, get more of a crowd, more easy listening. Because you can't really play this at your grandma's birthday, right? So, well, <laughs> if your grandma rocks yeah, out, you can. Yeah, actually, my grandma, you probably could. <laughs> She's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, no, we just wanted to go this this way, and then um, there there were rumors of COVID hitting and and a big shutdown happening. And we just said, man, we're sitting on these two awesome songs, Cinnamon and I Ain't Joking. Let's just release them. So we did. And 
They're yeah, easily by far my favorite songs to play in the entire world. It's just so much fun to play that on guitar. And I think that's a big reason why why we wrote heavier music because we all just got drawn to this you know the the other two guys in the band the the other rhythm parts they're like very southern gospel like leonard skinner that's a great reference um that's how our bass player and uh electric player really were so and if i could just write something that was like a heavy hitting you know corn guitar riff underneath that like southern feel yeah that was the paper shakers it is. Let's let's hear a little cinnamon. It's good, bro. good dude yeah it's cool eh yeah yeah the first course is pretty chill later on it's like full gang vocals and just really fun man it's yeah pretty rock and roll maybe we'll just chat over it in the background <laughs> and we'll bring it up when it gets to to the end eh? yeah that song's fun because i'm first and foremost a drummer right so paradiddles being do do ba 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 that's the whole drum beat i actually wrote the guitar riff to match up with that and then you'll hear the bass line underneath is a is a swung triplet vibe and those three things together were just like i remember playing them at home and just being like the band has to learn it exactly the way that i wrote it yeah because <laughs> it's if you mess this up like this is my baby this is my this is a song that i love to play yeah so Oh, a little bit of Dave Grohl in you, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dave's a, a pretty big influence for me, and I think just because we relate so well, because yeah. it's, this song has to be this way, man. So, yeah. Yeah. A little organ solo there. That was the first time I played organ on a record. <laughs> It's fun is right. You can hear it, right? Like it just sounds like. Yeah. This part's super ACDC. This part's cool. Here we go, everybody sing it! <laughs> yeah, man, it's so much fun. Yeah. Like, such a fun tune. Don't listen to the lyrics, though. It makes no sense at all. Cinnamon's not sweet at all. <laughs> it's a spice, man. That doesn't make sense. Where can people hear all this? Where can people Spotify, get it? Spotify, Apple Music, yeah. YouTube, whatever. Right on. Yeah. Anywhere but live, basically. <laughs> you didn't make a video, though. I know a director, if you ever want to make a video. Rice Landecker, if you're ever into making a video, bro. Sounds good. Um, 
so through that was that was was were you doing this on the side for fun did you have aspirations to do this as a career um or what was it like it is fun and there's nothing wrong with fun and doing fun yeah but you know how some musicians are just so driven to write like worship songs what what was did you have uh, what was going on in your heart as you're doing this for fun and you're journeying with the Lord at the same time? Yeah. So, because you're also writing for now yeah. Disciple City Music. So Yeah, that's brand new. Yeah. Right? Because I I wrote worship while I was going through those trials, you know, fourteen to eighteen. But after that it basically after Bethel I, I pretty much pulled back from that and just started writing um primarily for radio and for live um, secular venues because I basically my heart wasn't fully for um, building up the church because I thought the church was doing fine on its own. Why does it need another worship leader kind of thing? So I, I, I didn't want to be a Phil Wickham or a Ben Cantillon or anything like that. Um, I thought there was enough of those guys out there. I thought, uh, Chris Tomlin was doing well for all of us. And, and, um, so I just started writing kind of selfishly, just like, this is just something that I think is fun. And, uh, and then that turned into, I'd say about 2017, we started saying, how do we make this a career? Um, we played 150 shows that year and we were exhausted and, yeah, it, it was a lot, right? Like that's three shows a week yeah, at least. And uh, playing really big ones like, you know, Canada Music Week and playing the Horseshoe. And we did Music Fest downtown Peterborough and just like a whole bunch of festivals and fun stuff. But it was mainly just like I felt like this is just fun and this is something I want to do. I recognize now that it was like, a fairly selfish act because I basically told these three young guys like, Hey, follow me to the ends of the earth. I'm going to make us like careers in the music industry. I, I pulled my wife along. Everyone was happy to do it. They all were having fun too. But I just realized like I was really, really pushing everybody and really, really going like, this is what you do to make this a success. And, uh, yeah, I, I think we still would have been heading in that direction if it wasn't for the pandemic. Um, we had just had a one of our members, they were moving away and starting a family and doing that sort of thing. So we were looking for a new member and then we heard about the shutdown. So we started limiting our practice time and then we found out we, we can't practice at all. Um, at the space that we were going, they, they weren't going to allow it anymore or, or whatever happened and and it was during that time that I was just like, oh man, like, I guess I'll just keep writing at home. And we had a couple months off work and I just sat at home and did that. Um, but that was the point that, that Adam Shepsky came to me and said, hey man, I know you do this stuff. I want to release an album. Can you help? And I was just like, oh man, I don't do worship. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's not my thing. <laughs> Especially for people who love cats and snow, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, man, that's, that's not for me. Um, but he was just like, just please like, and we had become really good friends in like the year leading up to that. I think he was grooming me 
He might have been. He might have been. Adam. Um, but uh, Groomer. <laughs> Groomer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, leading up to that point, we had become really close with our family. Loved them to death. And uh, so we asked for a favor. I can't say no to, to family, right? So I was like, okay, I'll help with this. And I thought that just meant like showing up and make sure they aren't writing crappy songs. And then that turned into like, okay, well, like help them write a little bit. Okay. I'll help them write a little bit. Okay. Now be in a group of three other people and like help change their songs and manipulate them. And, and all this turned into, I felt very honored at that point. I felt like it's actually a gift that we're able to get together. I felt like at this point the church was really hurting, right? Cause of COVID there's so many people that just didn't come back. There's so many people that just stayed home or, or got offended. Oh, you wear a mask. Oh, you don't wear a mask. Oh, you're pro this, pro that, whatever. And so at that point I was just like, oh man, the church actually needs help. The church needs someone in there to, to really push. And I know how to do this music part of it. So that's where I, I said yes, prayed about it, felt super honored to be a part of it. And, uh, behold came from that. So it was months and months of writing and months and months of crafting and changing and home sessions and church sessions and being shut down for weeks on end and then restarting and yeah. yeah. And so <clears throat> still working, still working with that, right? You guys yeah. are still writing and creating and yeah, we're two albums and almost two singles later. So um, next single comes out, what, tomorrow? No, in two days. Yeah, there's another single coming out. So by the time you hear this episode, it will be out. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, so what about Paper Shakers? Is Have you kind of shelved that for now? Or do you still have, like, do you still feel like you have some fun songs you want to write and that's something that you could rebirth or... Definitely. I mean, you're obviously yeah. busy because you got two kids. Yeah. You guys run a, a business yep. and stuff like that. So, what are what are your thoughts with the paper shakers? Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, yeah, the paper shakers was always supposed to be a backseat thing where I just kind of do it in my spare time, and then it turned into this thing where it's like, okay, let's do this professionally because it's taking up all of our time, and we're getting asked all the time to do stuff. Let's be really good at it. Um. But yeah, since then, it's just like people aren't asking and I don't have a whole lot of time to pour into that. But uh, yeah, I'd say maybe once or twice a month, I'll sit down and just write some fun rock and roll songs and then put them up on the shelf for later. Yeah. Who knows? Because we're, we're asking for <laughs> Disciple City Music to come to where we're going yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that keeps me very busy. Yeah, well, that's good, because we like it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> what is your, I mean, they're all good, but what is your favorite on Behold? Holy. Yeah, Mel's, uh, Mel's song. I call it the chicken noodle soup of worship, because it's just, you can sing holy to the creator for all of time, and it will hold just as much weight as the first time you sang it. That was the one in that living room in BC. Yeah. Too. Right? Yeah. Ooh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about BC, man. It's too yeah. soon. That's uh too soon. 
Um, what about what about for you, King of Kings? What did you write? You wrote King of Kings. Yeah, King of Kings. I I helped Mel with her song a little bit. I helped uh, I helped on one uh, Ryan Smith song. I helped on. Um, we wrote all the praise, um, which is on the acoustic album. And then we just released the single, uh, the full band single of all the praise. Um, so that's another one I did. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots more coming down the hatch too. So yeah, yeah. we'll just throw a little holy in cause you mentioned it, right? Yeah. I love <coughs> this song. I, I had the privilege of singing this song on the acoustic album. And I was just like blown away that I got that opportunity to just sing my favorite song um, in a room of 20 people and just everyone just singing holy, holy, holy. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. be a little biased for me to say but really friends you gotta download this album you can also see it all on youtube so want to see all of this band you can find them on youtube disciple of city music the albums behold so good yeah this one definitely reminds me the most of when i was seven on the tractor hearing angels sing hearing just like an anthem because it's just as beautiful as just going holy like a million people just singing holy to father god yeah this is like the closest thing that we've recorded to that kind of moment so it's always just like hit hard for me yeah it's beautiful and to hear you know i i got to sit in and hear why melissa wrote the song and i got to hear where that stemmed from and help her you know, change this to be, you know, a little tighter here, a little longer here. Um, you should emphasize this more because it's just gonna, yeah, just to help direct the song with her. Yeah. She had so many beautiful lyrics to share and we got to pick the best of the best and put that out. Such a beautiful song. Well, and bro, it's a, if you're writing music at 10, like that's a gift. Like I've played guitar since I was a kid too. I can't write music. Like I can't write lyrics. I I can't write music if I've tried to create my own stuff it just sounds like somebody else's. Right? But he's given me a gift but I don't know how to read music. I don't know chords and stuff, but I just know how to play. Yeah. And I just play along with stuff that I like. So even you're just listening to your song Cinnamon. <laughs> three or four minutes listening to that and i i play i could play along with your band you know what i mean like yeah. that's just what he's given me so i just but i find it fascinating that uh you know you have that gift or people have that gift to write music and then you can sit down with somebody like melissa or whoever yeah and just help create it it's just fascinating to me i just love the music you know yeah um so what's uh what's what's next for you in the next little while what's on your plate for the next little bit musically yeah musically and spiritually like how you doing now you're doing great <laughs> eh? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Yeah, I'm just uh I'm definitely like in a season of rest. That's what a, a second child will do to you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's really nice that we have a, a great team that goes, Hey, yeah, if you need rest, take rest. Um so yeah, I think until January I'm just gonna be resting and just soaking it up and being a good dad and putting my energy in the right place. Yeah. Um and then yeah, I I know we've got some big crazy things coming this year and yeah, I can't share too much on it, but obviously lots more songs coming, lots more singles coming. Um everyone on the on the team is always writing, so there's lots more coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um your mom she come to faith? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, she came to faith before I was born. Um I think my uncle Tim invited her out to a, a service back in the eighties. Weren't you saying when you were yeah. experiencing that darkness yeah. as a teenager yeah. that she had not? So yeah, I think through the divorce, she, I'd say that she still had faith, but just wasn't really practicing. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, or at least from my perspective, I'm not sure. Yeah. She'd be going through all her stuff too, right? Yeah. But no, since then she's, she's, at the church all the time and best friends with my dad and they've got a great relationship and that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's kind of, yeah. She, she's always very inspiring. She's always got someone fresh, brand new right beside her at church. She's always inviting people and usually has a row of like 10 people that she just found. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That's her. So awesome. Yeah. Um, Thanks for coming today, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you hearing your story yeah. a little more in, in depth yeah. stuff. Um, I also, uh, well, we can talk about this after, but uh, I also saw you guys did a cover of uh, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Dude, I love that album. Yeah. So let's talk about that in the green room after we get off of here. But uh, Yes, sir. Bro, um, yeah, thank your bride and your girls for your time this morning. And I just have one final question for you. Yep. Um, you know how sometimes while well, kids like us drawn to music, right? Um, if, if you had somebody, um, th- that comes to one of your events or sees, or somehow you make this connection with a young person and you either find out or they reveal to you that they're going through some darkness, like you were as a teenager, like they're seeing things, they can't sleep. Yeah. They believe in Jesus, but it seems like things aren't working. Yeah. What would you say to try to help them get through that? Just keep going. Just keep believing. Just keep calling on his name. At the end of the day, he wants a relationship with you. So if you need to call on his name for the rest of the time, that's that's something that becomes really special. That's something that creates that relationship. And life's hard. You're going to go through stuff, right? It doesn't matter what you're going through. Just keep calling on his name keep believing and he will actually reveal the authority that is given to you to where you can stand on top of that stuff. So awesome. Yeah. Hope that they have uh, an encounter to feel that hand on their back. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. For everyone listening. Thanks bro. Yeah.
set the table. I, I really, that, that really impacted me, friends, when uh, Michael talked about setting the table. So if you find yourself at a, a conference or an event and the enemy creeps in with doubt, oh, this is just, you know, they're trying to create something, they're trying to, to do this, to capture an emotion, to get people in an emotion, are they? Or are these people trying to set a table for you to encounter something that they know? For you to encounter his presence, for you to encounter him so that you can be free. I know that all of us here at Disciple of City and the music team and, and everybody, we just want you to to be free and to feel that presence of a, of a king who's real and to feel just like a father's hand on a little baby's back that takes their whole back like what Michael felt. Behold that. He wants relation with you, friends. 